We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. It is game day. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Lane. We've got a lot to talk about in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers, who are currently on a three-game winning streak, but a big test tonight when they take on the Phoenix Suns. Plenty of storylines to dive into, including a Russell Westbrook trade rumor. Well, a a rumor about what he could have been traded for this past summer, which I think is kind of revealing when we look at how our opinions may have changed on Russell Westbrook. So I want to talk about that. Also want to talk about a few injuries, including the one to LeBron James, as well as Russ himself, Anthony Davis's play. So many different things to talk about. So I'm going to dive into that. Quick reminder, though, if you haven't done so already, make sure you are following the LakersNation.com YouTube account, youtube.com slash LakersNation. And, of course, subscribe to the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. I know a lot of people are going to be heading out of town for Thanksgiving coming up a little later this week. The Lakers Nation podcast can keep you company on the road. So great way to take us with you. All right, let's dive into first topic of the day, Russell Westbrook and his thumb injury. So he suffered a thumb injury in the game uh, against the San Antonio Spurs and was wrapped up after the game. We heard the x-rays were negative and he was going to get a test. Uh, It was going to come on Monday, which would have been yesterday. Uh, He was going to get further tests and nothing. Crickets. No, nothing on Russell Westbrook and his thumb. I didn't see anything major occur where I thought, oh, man, he he really got hurt there. It just didn't look like there was anything super concerning that happened during the game. And then during the game, there were a few times where he was just kind of messing with his thumb and, and it looked like maybe it had gotten scratched or something like that. Well, the injury report is out and Russell Westbrook is not on it. So unless some sort of testing hasn't been done just yet, for whatever reason, unless the MRI that was going to be done, I believe, on his thumb uh, just hasn't been done yet. I'd say that's a pretty good sign that he doesn't even show up as questionable or anything like that. He's not on the injury report as of this moment. And we'll see if that changes as the day goes on. But for right now, hopefully, fingers crossed, again, hopefully nothing changes here. We're in the clear on this Russell Westbrook injury situation. Again, the x-rays were negative, but the hand was wrapped after the game against the San Antonio Spurs, but for nothing to come out on any kind of a scam that he did, nor have him pop up on the injury report, I'm hoping that that's a good sign that Russ is going to be just fine. And let's face it, the Lakers do need Russell Westbrook out on the floor. They need him leading that second unit, especially 
this is one of the things that I've really loved about the Lakers since Thomas Bryant came back. And small sample size, only two games. But you saw it quite a, quite a bit against San Antonio. One of the things that Thomas Bryant does a great job of is running the floor. He's a great rim runner. You can get a stop on one end. He's going to take off, and he's pretty fast for a center, and he gets down the floor quickly. Russell Westbrook was utilizing him. I like just kind of the up-tempo pace that the bench unit plays with. It really feeds off of the speed of Russell Westbrook. So when you've got a bench unit that's Russ and Wenyan Gabriel and Thomas Bryant, these are bigs that are not stiffs. They're not plotters, right? They're guys who can really fly up and down the floor, and that fits very well with Russ. And it's made that second unit fun to watch at times. When they can get stopped, it can be clunky still, but when they can get stops, they can really take advantage of the pace that Russell Westbrook brings. And then on top of that, he seems to have kind of a mind meld going on with Wenyan Gabriel, where there's this, the, just this connection between Russ and Wenyan. So you add that on top of it. And we've been able to see actually some pretty fun moments with that second unit. Again, small sample size of just a couple of games of Thomas Bryant returning. But so far, it looks like there is some chemistry there. Remember, Russ and TB did play together uh, with the Washington Wizards. So maybe some of that has carried over here to the purple and gold. But I do want to talk a little bit about Russ's trade value because I, I think things have shifted quite a bit when we look at Russ on the trade front. Now, a lot of us, myself included, went into last summer saying, you got to trade Russ. You have to, there, you can't go into next season with Russell Westbrook on the team. We had the context of the exit interview, the infamous exit interview. It just seemed very clear that this was, look, Russ needs to go his own way. The Lakers need to go, go their own way. And that's it. That's it. To figure something out, find a trade before the season starts, just do it. And we, of course, heard all the rumors that the Lakers were about to trade Russell Westbrook the night before media day, would have sent uh, two unprotected first-round picks, 2027 and 2029, to the Indiana Pacers in exchange for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. That's what's been out there for a while now. However, we also heard about potential opportunities with other teams, with the San Antonio Spurs, with the Charlotte Hornets, um, with maybe the Utah Jazz, right? There were other teams that they could have traded Russell Westbrook to. And now we got a little bit of information on what one of those trades would have looked like. And this is coming from Michael Scotto of Hoopsite uh, saying, before the season, the Lakers offered a lottery-protected first-round pick and Russell Westbrook to the San Antonio Spurs for Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott. The Spurs wanted an unprotected first-round pick for taking on Westbrook's salary with the expectations he'd be waived, which the Lakers were unwilling to do. So the Lakers were hoping to take Russ and trade him to the San Antonio Spurs. Remember, if you're getting Doug McDermott and Josh Richardson, you'd be also getting a big trade exception as well there. So you'd be trading for those two guys, plus a trade exception, uh, and they only want to give up a protected first. The Spurs, meanwhile, were willing to do the deal as long as it was, it was an unprotected first. And obviously, there's a, there's a huge difference between an unprotected and a lottery-protected first-round pick. So lottery-protected means, look, if the Lakers are bad, in let's say it was the 2027 pick, which I believe it would have to be in order for them to put those protections on it. But if the Lakers were bad in the 2026, 2027 season, well, then the Spurs would get nothing or whatever that pick would revert to. It probably wind up being, uh, let, let's say the Lakers got the, I don't know, the fifth pick in the 2027 draft. Well, then obviously the Spurs wouldn't get it if it was lottery protected. And then it would convert to who knows, maybe a couple of second round picks or something like that, because you can't kick the can down the road too far when you're already, uh, projecting that far out for this draft pick. 
So I can understand why that wouldn't hold as much appeal for the Spurs. You're taking away a lot of the upside if you make it lottery protected, because then what's your best case? Best case, if you're the Spurs and it's lottery protected, you're getting the 15th pick. Worst case, you get a couple of second rounders or something, and you don't even get a first. So I can understand why the Spurs wouldn't want to do that. I can also understand why if you're the Lakers, you're doing everything you can to mitigate your risk with those picks saying, look, if we're going to trade one of them, let's at least try to make it lottery protected. Doug McDermott, Josh Richardson, these guys are fine rotation players, but they're not stars. They're not going to take us to the next level. If we're going to do this and we're just going to kind of balance out our roster a little bit, we're only going to be willing to give so much. So I understand why this deal didn't get done on both sides, but I think it's interesting now because when I read that deal today, I think, oh man, I'm so glad that didn't get accepted. Oh man, the Lakers, they're probably they're, they're probably worse right now if they do that deal, right? I mean, we just saw Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott. Again, they're, they're fine players, nothing wrong with them. And they, I think they would fit, uh, they fit very well. But they're not bringing what Russ is bringing right now. They're not. And look, Maybe you can still wind up ahead because you'd get a trade exception in there. You can make another move using that. And okay, right. Maybe you can still do something else there. Richardson and McDermott give you a couple of contracts. Maybe you can flip down the road. All right. You can turn it into a bigger deal is what I'm saying. But just on the surface, when I look at that, I think, yeah, I don't think I want to swap Russ for Doug McDermott and Josh Richardson. Now, if you want to put Yaka Pertle in, we want to start talking that. Okay. All right. Now, now I'm interested, but but Russell Westbrook has done a lot. What this all adds up to is Russ has done a lot um, to enhance his value to the Lakers by coming off the bench. And this was a big question mark about Russ heading into the season. Would he even be willing to take on that kind of role into his credit? He has, and he's had success there. Look, they, I'm not saying it's perfect. There's still some bumps in the road every now and then, but we're seeing a much better version of Russell Westbrook overall, and we're seeing a Russell Westbrook that is a net positive for the Lakers, and I think we can say with, with some confidence that had the Lakers done that deal, which if you had asked me back then, would you do that deal? I don't know if I would have done the unprotected first, but probably would do the, the deal the Lakers wanted, unpro, uh, the lottery protected first. If you asked me back then, does this improve the Lakers? I would have said, yeah, yeah, of course this improves. I mean, you're adding wing players. They can shoot. This would be great. Let's get this. Let's do this. Let's get this done. Right now, I, I could say I don't. I think this would actually make the Lakers worse. I don't think it would help them. That's that is a credit to Russell Westbrook and the work that he's done coming off the bench, his willingness to buy in, and the ability of of Darvin Ham to kind of put some pieces together for that. Now, of course, the Lakers season hasn't gone according to plan. They're they're five and ten right now. They've still got a lot of ground to make up. I'm not saying everything is fantastic, but on the Russell Westbrook front, it's something we have to look at. In terms of Russ trades, now we really have to ask, does this deal make the Lakers better? Over the summer, we looked at everything and said, I mean, anything's going to help the Lakers, right? Because Russ, he's a net negative on the floor. Are they better off just sending him home? Right? I mean, these are real discussions that were being had. And now Russ is making a positive difference on a night in, night out basis to the point where when we're worrying about whether or not he's got an injured thumb, we're thinking, man, how are they going to deal with the Suns if they don't have Russell Westbrook, right? Like he's making a positive impact to the point where people want him out there on the floor. And again, it's very cool to be in that in that place. Now, on the trade front, what this means is if you're the Lakers and you're going to trade Russ, you really have to get stuff that you think is going to help your team a lot. That's going to take you to 
that next level. Um, there's no longer, I've talked about this a lot. There's no longer that big gap between what Russ brings and what some of the rumored trade targets bring. Like, are the Lakers a better team with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald on this roster instead of Russell Westbrook? I would say yes. And, and look, and again, I think Russ has done a lot of really good things, but I would still say yes, they're a better team. There's, that's a better fit. Um, you're getting younger talent. And look, I think they're better. How much better? Are you two unprotected first round picks better? I don't know. And that's a little bit more up in the air. Whereas if you would ask me the night before media day, would you do that deal? I would have said, yeah, do this. Get this done. Let's move on. Let's let's balance out this roster and let's go. And now I think there a lot more of that is, is a question. And so for the Lakers front office, they've got to figure out, not only is this a good deal value-wise, but does this really make us better relative to what Russ is bringing right now? Russ from last season, get any kind of positive produ production really would have been would have been worth, worth doing. Russ from this season, setting that bar a little bit higher, which I think ultimately to finish this up, may create other opportunities. May mean that there's teams that we aren't talking about that are now going to become interested in Russ. Okay? And maybe the Lakers even take the path of not trading Russ. But I do think that there's going to be teams around the NBA that look and say, you know what? Russ isn't bad coming off the bench. If he can do that for LA, can, would he be willing to be a super sixth man for us? Could we do that? Look, he's still not going to be worth $47 million, and that would be a hurdle that you'd have to overcome. But I think your suitors, the number of suitors that are on the market goes up as he continues to play better because there's more teams that will be able to talk themselves into, well, the contract isn't any good, but at least he's expiring, and if we can send out salary X, Y, and Z, maybe this makes sense for us to go get Russ and actually play him. Over the summer, nobody wanted to do that. Every, every team that would trade for Russ was just to wave him, just to buy him out. They just wanted the expiring contract. So that could change the whole dynamic of the trade market for the Lakers, and it's certainly something worth watching as things develop. But again, the Lakers are also less incentivized to move him right now, given the fact that he's been good. I know a lot of Lakers fans have been messaging me asking about, can we trade Kendrick Nunn and Patrick Beverly, stack up those contracts instead of Russ? We'll see. I do think the Lakers are going to have more options once the trade market starts to heat up now than they would have just a couple months ago. All right, let's talk about Anthony Davis. AD, what a run for Anthony Davis. He has been absolutely phenomenal phenomenal stuff from Anthony Davis. He has been incredible over 30 points per game in each of the last three, all three Lakers wins. And he is just playing lights. He's looking like an MVP, by the way, how did he not get player of the week for the Western conference? Like no, no disrespect to De'Aaron Fox, but my goodness, Anthony Davis has been a monster, an absolute monster, 30 points, 38 points, 37 points. That's his point total. In the last three rebounds, 18, 16, 18. Yeah, pretty good. Blocks. He's got five blocks in three games. So he's getting work done there. He's getting steals. He's got four steals in three games. He's shooting incredibly well. Over 60% in each of those three games. He's getting to the free throw line. In fact, in two of those three games, he didn't miss a free throw. He went seven for seven against the Nets. He went six for six against the Spurs. And against Detroit, he went 18 for 21 for 86% from the free throw line. He's so on fire right now. He's not even missing free throws. 
my goodness, Anthony Davis. He is blowing up. And I'm getting a lot of people asking, is this real or is this the opponent? Is this the opponent? Is this the Brooklyn Nets are not a good defense? And then they lost Nick Claxton midway through the game. The Detroit Pistons are not a good team. They were playing without Cade Cunningham and their starting center, Isaiah Stewart. Probably matters when you're trying to defend Anthony Davis. The San Antonio Spurs, not a good team. And they were playing without their starting center, Jakob Pertl, who is a really good player himself, who is, I believe, underrated in the NBA. So how good is Anthony Davis really? Is this just, is this AD is incredible? Or is this AD was playing against bad teams who also happened to be missing their centers? So they just didn't have anybody to defend him. So I think, I think it's a bit of both. I think we have to, we don't want to take anything away from what Anthony Davis did, because here's the thing. If you are a star level player, if you are one of the top tier players in the NBA, when you're faced with opponents like this, what do you do? You crush them. You annihilate them, right? And so if you are not able to do that, if you're not able to blow up against these players, that's a bigger concern. This isn't a sign that necessarily Anthony Davis is an MVP winner now. That, that he's suddenly an MVP caliber player, that he's one of the top five players in the league just yet. He's got more to prove. But what I'm saying is, even if you're against weaker competition, you're not putting up numbers like this unless you're really, really, really good. Again, he's not even missing free throws. He has been fantastic. I also think it's fair to say that he's probably not quite this level, but that might not matter. That might not matter. See, here's the thing. Anthony Davis, one of the issues this season, it's been his back and then it's been his confidence. You guys noticed that? It's been where we haven't seen AD really aggressively saying, this is my team, I'm taking over, and we are not losing tonight because I said so. We're not seeing that version of AD in the early going in the season. It feels when you're watching him, I'm not a doctor, but when you're watching him on the floor, it looks like his back has loosened up. Maybe he has time and getting that, that four days off last week. Maybe those things have allowed his back to feel a little bit better because he looks a bit more spry. He's springy, just more fluidity in his movement. And so I think that's helped. But then going into these games and now getting this confidence of I can be that guy. Remember, after AD hit that shot against the Denver Nuggets in 2020, the fadeaway three-pointer, at the buzzer, he yells, Kobe? My God, what a moment that was. That was brought a tear to my eye. And then he starts yelling, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. He had that swagger to him where he knew, he knew he was not letting the Lakers lose. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is that guy back? I think he might be. I think we're seeing that confidence level coming into Anthony Davis where he's demanding the ball. He's going out and getting the game. He is grabbing hold of this game and taking over. So I think that has been a change too. And being able to do that against these teams, yes, it's weaker competition, but being able to do that can be the springboard that leads him into what could be a really good rest of the season. Again, got to stay healthy. That's always going to be a concern with AD, but I don't think he's going to be putting up 30 plus points every single night. I don't think we're going to see that. I don't think he's grabbing 18 rebounds every single night. As the competition gets better, I think those numbers do drop off a little bit, but I still think his impact can be a much higher level than what we saw at the beginning of the season. And I think that this stretch is going to be really important in unleashing that, improving to AD, improving to himself that he can be that guy once again, because he certainly has been over the last three games. It's been a little bit different because back in 2020, his jumper was money. Now he's just dominating at the rim. But we'll see how he does tonight against the Phoenix Suns. DeAndre Eaton, obviously a much bigger task there. But I think we are going to see a continued dominance from Anthony Davis. Again, that doesn't mean 38 and 18 every single night. But I think we're going to see an AD that is taking over this team. Which brings me to my final point, LeBron James. You know, I've actually had some Lakers fans messaging me saying, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not going to hear all the, the comments about, are the Lakers better without LeBron? That's way too reactionary, and I think it's just, it's complicating things too much. You're reading too much into things if you think the Lakers are better without LeBron James. The bottom line, he is a great player. And you want great players on your roster. I don't think there's any world where the Lakers are actually better without LeBron James or he should be banished or any of that kind of stuff. So I'm not I'm not buying into any of that. However, however, I do think that we've hit a point where this needs to be Anthony Davis's team. AD, look, we've seen him for now three games take over and say, I'm not letting us lose. That needs to continue. That needs to continue. And I don't think LeBron's necessarily going to have a problem with that. I think that's what he wants. However, if you've been following this team for the last few years, you know what happens. You know what happens when LeBron is on the floor. There's this, oh, that guy that guy over there is LeBron James. When push comes to shove, I'm going to give him the ball because that's LeBron James. That might be the greatest player ever. He's going to get the ball. So I think... That while Anthony Davis came to L.A. in his first year, one of the first things LeBron did was go to the front office and say, I want to run the offense through through A.D. That's what I want to do. What wound up happening? A.D. had a big year, led the team in scoring. But the, the offense still really ran through LeBron, right? I mean, when LeBron was off the floor, things would fall apart, and it still ran through LeBron. Just That's that just... As much as LeBron has wanted year after year after year, somebody else to take over the burden of producing on the offensive end, of running the team. It's part of why they traded for Russell Westbrook. It's why they traded for Dennis Schroeder. Um, ultimately, 
having the ball in LeBron's hands has been the best place. If you're getting this version of Anthony Davis, and that's that's still an if, but if the Lakers are getting this version of Anthony Davis for the remainder of the season, we may finally be at a point where the ball in LeBron's hands is not the best place. Instead, it's AD. It becomes AD's team. But here's the kicker. Again, there are there's this aura around LeBron, right? Guys are just naturally going to gravitate towards him. I think the offense will devolve back into give the ball to LeBron and let him figure everything out if the Lakers are not very conscious of this, if they're not making a real effort to do the opposite of that and involve Anthony Davis. And that might mean LeBron is off ball a bit as a spot-up shooter, and that's okay. He can pick and choose his spots, and I think this ultimately may be better for him. And again, I think this is also what LeBron wants. I think ultimately he wants somebody else to be able to run the show and not have to do the heavy lifting himself. But I also think that a 37 going on 38 next month, your old LeBron James, he wants to be able to pick and choose his spots. He wants to be able to conserve energy when he needs to. He doesn't want to have to be doing that heavy lifting. And it appears that he's been trying to do just that for years now. Find somebody else who can just go and do things when he's off the floor. Again, if you're getting this version of AD, he may be that guy once again, and LeBron might need him to be. And if that's the case, I think LeBron is going to have to lead the charge in handing over the reins to Anthony Davis, making that concerted effort to make a show of it, show that this is now Anthony Davis's offense, and we're going to run through him. Now, AD is a big. So that doesn't necessarily mean you're posting him up every single time because we've seen it in today's today's NBA. It's not like back in Shaq's day where the rules made it really difficult to defend an entry pass to the post. So how many times do we see the Lakers? You know, Derek Fisher dribbles up the floor, kicks to Kobe on the wing. Kobe makes the entry pass into Shaq. Shaq then dominates. Everybody cuts off of him. Triangle offense, off you go, right? That's not today's NBA. Now you can double off the ball. You can front a guy in the in the post and... You can make it much more difficult if you need to in getting that guy the ball. So bigs are very reliant upon other players to create for them. And so you see a lot of AD's buckets are either assisted or he's grabbing up off the the offensive glass and then dunking it or, or whatever. So I'm not saying that AD has to run the offense every single play because I think that can actually bog things down a little bit. But I think there does need to be a concerted effort to make sure that he's involved, setting him in high pick and roll situations, letting him be the roll man going to the basket, um, posting him up when that's available, having him there for little drop off passes, all sorts of different actions that you can run in order to get him involved and get the ball into his hands while understanding that, look, there's going to be some plays where Russ is going to drive to the rim. He's creating the action and then he sucks over the defense. If he misses, AD is going to be the guy there to clean it up. But ultimately, this is going to require a more team-centric approach. You've got to fight that natural instinct when you see LeBron James is on the floor with you of thinking, I need to give that guy the ball. Instead, it needs to be more of an equal opportunity system where you've got a lot of players have the ability to attack, whether it's Austin Reeves. He's been fantastic, by the way. Austin Reeves has been incredible in his own right. Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker, Russell Westbrook, whoever it is, LeBron, attack the basket, 
occupy the defense, and then you're getting AD involved either with the secondary action or if you can set something up to get him the to get him to be the primary action. But you don't have to run the offense through him every single time because that can be problematic with a big in today's NBA. So instead, what you're going to try to do is make sure that you're attacking from all angles and opening up AD that way instead of just give the ball to LeBron, everybody clear out, they're going to ISO and then try to run something off of that. I don't think that maximizes anymore Anthony Davis, and I don't think that's best for LeBron's game either. So that's what I want to see. LeBron James is questionable for tonight against the Suns. What I want to see is if he does return, and I think that's a good thing if he returns. If he returns, I want to see a bit more of an equal opportunity system and therefore more chances for Anthony Davis to continue doing what he's been doing, which has just been cleaning up the offensive glass. It's been feasting when defenses are getting pulled over to Russell Westbrook, getting pulled over to to Austin Reeves, getting pulled over to whoever. Um, AD has really thrived with all of that. I'd like to see that continue. All right, Lakers Nation, that's it for today. I appreciate everybody for joining me. Thank you, everybody. Make sure you come join us on Playback tonight for Lakers versus Suns. We will be offering the Lakers Nation stream of the game live. It's a lot of fun. Come, come hang out with us and we will all watch the game together. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.